Our scripture for today is from James chapter 2, verse 14 through 20. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. Faith. As we begin these considerations of this precious word today, may I offer to you an honest confession from the depths of my soul, and that is, of all of the relationships that we share with our loving Lord, for me, one of the least understood is that of faith. And no, I don't do very well with those other relationships with the Lord either, but this relationship of faith is especially perplexing for me. Yes, I do have enough faith for the saving of my soul. And if I focus really hard with my faith on the matters of daily life, I'm often able to weather through those difficulties. But none of it is easy for me. And may I suggest that the same is also true for you. It's also true for you. Yes, we can mouth the words at the proper time, saying all the right things at the right time to our Christian friends. And in times of crisis, we might even be able to bear down hard and, and hold on tight to our faith until that storm is over. But it never seems easy. It never seems easy. We can identify so well with the man in Scripture that cried out to Jesus, I believe, I believe, help mine unbelief, help mine unbelief. And we also saw that, by the way, with all of the disciples all of the disciples on several occasions, even though they had walked with Jesus daily, witnessing his precious abilities and seeing how faithful he was to take care of them. Still, during those times, during those times like those on the stormy seas, their faith would falter. And his words to them were, Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. And his words to you and me about faith is that if you and I would have just the amount of faith that's in the size of a mustard seed, then we could do things beyond our imagination. We could even move mountains. But folks, again, I have never moved a mountain. I would love to, but so far my faith has never risen to that level. But one thing I do find, one thing I do find, that as I intentionally seek hard and diligently after the person of Christ, as I read and as I study and as I think and as I pray, the Holy Spirit does enable me to gain just a little more of an intimate sense of the presence of Christ. Now, fortunately for us here today, with these words of Scripture, God has again brought us face to face with this matter of faith. And that's what I love about preaching in what's called an expository manner. And that is you take verse by verse, word by word, and sometimes you run up against words and verses that you might not like very well. 
that you want to avoid. But this type of study doesn't allow that. And so we have to deal with this matter, whatever it is in front of us. And that's what God has done with this matter of faith in this book of James. And if y'all will bear with me, it's my hope and my intent that over the next three, perhaps even four weeks, we'll study this precious relationship of faith. And may we begin our quest to understand this precious gift by acknowledging that faith can actually be seen and understood from more than one perspective. The kind of faith that we're considering here in these scriptures is only one kind of faith. Faith comes in a lot of different forms that we don't even recognize most of the time as being faith. There's a a form, and I'll call it natural faith, that's born within your and my soul. It is a natural kind of faith, and it's so simple and it's so easy, and we can barely even recognize it as being faith as we exercise it. And yes, it is very real. And I am very thankful for it because without natural faith, we would question and worry about most everything that takes place around us every moment of every day. It's by natural faith that we're able to peaceably go through our day believing and trusting all of these ordinary occurrences of daily life. We faithfully believe and trust that the pews that you're sitting on right now will hold you up. That's a form of faith. We don't recognize it as such, but it is a form of faith and it keeps us comfortable. And it's one of those common graces that God gives to us so that we don't have to question everything that takes place. We have faith that the floor that we stand on will hold us up. I was thinking also, we even have faith that those cars coming towards us on the highway will stay on their side of the road. We sure hope so. But simply put, we live most of the moments of our lives by one form of faith or another. And we think very little about it. This kind of faith that we examining here in Scripture is what I would like to call biblical faith. And it's very different from the natural faith. But there's a sense in which we exercise them both in the same way, or God would desire at least that we would exercise both of those forms of faith in the same or similar manner. And the great difference, though, that I'm able to discern between the natural faith that we have and the biblical faith that's spoken about here in this scripture is that natural faith rests on an assumption that some natural occurring circumstance will continue to do that. The pew that you're sitting in will continue to hold you up. But biblical faith is different. It rests in a trusting relationship with a person, the person of God himself. And I'd like to say that again because I want you to remember that. Biblical faith does not rest in the natural circumstances, not in your rationale or my rationale, and that's one of the difficulties that we have with faith. We want to rationalize things in a way that we can believe it. But biblical faith does not work that way. Biblical faith rests in a relationship with the person of God himself. And biblical faith, this biblical faith spoken of here, did not come to us through any natural means. It didn't come to us through our DNA. And it does not come as some seem to think and believe. It doesn't just emerge later on by some act of our free will. You and I cannot conjure up biblical faith. It doesn't work that way. It just does not work that way. Biblical faith is supernatural, and it comes to us through supernatural means. Biblical faith comes directly from God himself, and it's as a free gift. It's a free gift to us from him. It has this 
enabling power that enables us to trust far beyond the kind of faith that we have in the natural means of the world. It's one of those gifts that God gave to us. It's one of the three abiding gifts that he spoke of in 1 Corinthians, faith, hope, and love. It's a gift. May I read for us the simple definition that God has given to us of this word faith. It's found in Hebrews 1. And you'll note that as we read it, that although the definition is but just a few words, just a few words, and they're relatively simple, but their depth of meaning still remains so mysteriously complex. These words, and I'm reading from the King James. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Think on those words for a moment. Let your mind linger on those. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen, learned academics and theologians have studied these few words and tried to explain them for centuries, for centuries now. But I would suggest that even after all of their devoted work towards understanding and explaining those words, that they are still not much closer to truly understanding them than you and me, than you and me. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As I've studied about this word faith, I found that the Old and the New Testaments that both use essentially the same words that are translated into English for faith. And each of the words that they use convey the meaning and concept of belief. Belief. Faith and belief are the same basic words. But also, as we know from studying these scriptures, the actual and the exact meaning of words and concepts is not determined simply by their definition, but also by the context that they're used in the application of their usage. Those words again. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, as we examine each of these words, we find that God is here telling us that this special belief is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance means that it is real, that it is concrete, that it is evidence, that it has this real essence in its being. It's not just some wispy idea or concept or thought. It is so real that it conveys assurance, assurance of its reality and of its effectiveness. And so I conclude from these words that my believing, my faith, is the means by which God brings that which I only hope for into being, into real existence, into substance. Now may I say that again? Because I do want us to understand what these words mean. I conclude from these words that my believing, my faith, is the means by which God brings that which I hope for into being, into real reality, into substance. I confess that as I say those words, I can almost hear the sound of Jiminy Cricket as he's talking to Pinocchio. You can hear the words of the song, When You Wish Upon a Star. But folks, listen. We know that wishing upon a star is fantasy. But thanks be to God, faith is not fantasy. It's real. Faith is so real that it's able to bring that which is only hoped for into real being. All those things that we used to wish for, by faith, those things that we hope for will come into real existence. I'd like to take this analogy just one step further. Our faith in God is able to bring that which is not in existence 
into that which is in existence. And it's much like the way God did when he created the worlds. He took that which was nothing, which was not, and made it into something that was real and tangible. Something out of nothing. And also, likewise, the means of our faith. Through that means of our faith, God brings those things that are only hoped for into a vivid reality. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Is that the kind of faith that you have? Or that you want to have, at least? As we see those things hoped for come into vivid reality, as these words tell us, they become evidence to us. Evidence of things not seen. Real evidence. Visible evidence. Evidence such as spiritual changes, both in our own lives and in the lives of others. Have you noticed that taking place when a person really begins to exercise their faith? Spiritual changes start to take place in their lives. Something out of nothing. Something that wasn't there before, it now is. Our lives change. It also takes place in the temporal realm. Evidence, such as all those provisions that we have and use daily to sustain us. Something out of nothing. And even evidence of emotional blessings. Blessings such as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Folks, faith truly does change our lives. It brings something out of nothing. There's probably been people that you have looked at and said, he's a different person than what he used to be. She's a different person. They've changed. Something good is taking place in their lives. Folks, all we have to do is open our eyes and we'll see God's gracious provision of so many of these things that we only hoped for in the past. But now we have them. Now they're here. As a personal remembrance, as we entered into the ministry at French camp, I often wondered, what would we do when it came time to retire? How would we be able to afford the things that we would need? All these temporal needs, how would they be met? Because we didn't make much money in the ministry there at French camp. All I have to do is look around my house, my family today, and I see where God has provided for all of those. Yes, I have just a lovely little home. My wife and I, well taken care of, Our little retirement plan and our Social Security, they meet all of our needs. That wasn't possible, folks. It's not possible now, but it takes place. I look around at the blessings in my family, and I see the changes that have taken place in my family. Faith brought something out of nothing. That's what God is saying takes place. Now, faith is the substance, this reality, this real reality. Faith is the substance of things that I only once hoped for. They are the evidence of things not seen. I can see these these things of evidence now. And I would suggest that the same thing is true for you. The same thing is true for you. You probably wondered, what would today be like 10 years ago? And you'll see that God met all of those needs and it came through faith. Now again, wishing upon a star really doesn't work. But faith does. Faith in the loving and almighty God. And in his plan, it really does work. And as we abide in him and in his will, he'll do things in our lives that we used to only imagine and hope for. But again, may I say that even after all these years as a Christian, and after I see all of this evidence, I still do struggle to apprehend the faith that he would desire me to have, this amazing provision for my own. And I find that to be a strange and mysterious dilemma to be in. What I mean is I know that I do have God's generous gift 
of faith abiding within my soul. The Holy Spirit who lives within me confirms that daily. He came and he, he resides within me all of the time. And so I've been asking myself as I've been studying through these words, what is it that I am missing? What is it that I'm missing? What is what's uh, causing the problems? And it's in this word trust. It seems that there is a major step, a giant step between believing and trusting. It seems that that is the dividing line that's drawn within our souls. It's a, it's a break point where believing really does need to move on from just believing into trusting. In other words, it's one thing for a person to believe in some idea or some concept, but it's another thing altogether for a person to actually place their trust and their dependence in that person or that concept or that idea. As it relates to God and to the things of God, simply put, it's one thing for you and me to believe that Jesus Christ was a real person in history. And even go so far as to believe that he was to be the Savior that God the Father sent. But it's another thing altogether for a person, for you and me, to actually place our trust in Him as our personal Savior and to trust that He can actually wipe away all of our sins. The place where this dividing line between believing and trusting is so well worded is in verse 19. Listen to these words, simple words, but they explain it all. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. Have you ever thought about that verse? There's no clearer dividing line for me in these scriptures than those words. Even the demons believe. They do. The demons believe. They know exactly who Christ is. They know all that he has done to save your and my soul. But their believing has never taken that next vital step to trusting Jesus and obeying him. And because they don't let their belief mature into trust, they are eternally doomed in hell. So then, let me say it again. Faith is not just the simple effort of belief. Faith is this step that goes far beyond simply believing. Faith is believing so strongly and to the extent that we actually place our confidence and our trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. I'd like to take the next few moments and just dig in just a little bit more into this concept of trust. Trust seems to me to be this ultimate step of faith that God has, He truly desires for you and me to have in this relationship with Him. And a verse that I quote so often that I believe speaks to this matter is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Listen to these words again. You've said them over and over again, but listen to them. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct thy paths. In my struggles to understand and to comprehend the faith that God desires me to have, I confess that it is the nature of my thought processes to try to organize all of my belief, but especially this matter of faith and trust, into formulas, form some methodology of, of bringing me to a better understanding of my faith and trust. But so far, thus far, methodology hasn't worked for me. And I have concluded that maybe my problem is that I'm trying to make things that are very simple into something harder than they really are. 
In Matthew 18, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's many thoughts been offered as to what Jesus fully intended in these words regarding children. But in its basic literal terminology, we're being instructed to always come to the Lord with the innocence and with the humility of a child, with our hearts and our minds devoid of our own plans, of our own purposes, of our own strength and knowledge, simply joining with the Lord Jesus in whatever He's doing. And a favorite example of mine that is helpful to me, and I've shared it with you on other occasions, is when as my children were very young, I would say to them simply, come go with me. And they would immediately go running for my truck. They didn't need to ask where we were going. They didn't need to ask, did we have enough gasoline? Or a number of other questions they could ask. Without questioning me, they trusted. They trusted that I knew all the things that needed to be known for that trip. And perhaps that's part of the understanding of this passage. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. Now the second part of this passage probably has the most important element of our trust. This loving command for us to acknowledge him, to acknowledge God. Folks, this word acknowledge doesn't just simply imply that we're to be aware that God is always involved in all that's taking place. Too often, folks interpret that in that manner. Now, this word acknowledge has a much deeper meaning. It means to know God, to know God, to know the person of God, to know His character, and to intimately know that of His loving and faithful and caring nature, trustworthy nature and to know Him so well that we don't need to ask Him questions about why and about how, but to simply trust that He knows all of those other many details and that He's willing to and faithful to do them. That's not a lot different than the little child who doesn't need to question or to know all the details. They just need to go and run and jump in the truck. Daddy is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. folks. I would dearly love to become as that little child in all my ways knowing, in all my ways trusting the Father in every circumstance of life, never having to ask a question. Let me close with these words. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Let's pray.